Oh, here we go again. Hey, everybody, here we are. Yes, we're back again. I'm sorry. You probably thought we would go away. Sometimes I think we might go away, but we never do. We always come back eventually. And this is a special episode. We're actually coming back for a particular reason. We have our first ever mom on the episode. We're really branching out here. We've talked to all kinds of different people and we thought, where can we stretch our boundaries? Well, why not we just talk to a mother? And it may seem strange, but we we cover every base here. You know, dads deal with moms from time to time. And we thought maybe we would deal with one too. So we have today a Miss uh, Michelle Mintz. She's a personal baby bloomer at Baby Blooming Moments. She's also a speech language therapist, and she can be found for the most part at babybloomingmoments.com. We thank her so much for carving the time out of her day. It's always a little bit iffy when we're trying to com- schedule with people that are across the country or across the world. So thank you so much for you know finding a good little bit to speak with us on, on your expertise today. And with that, just wanted to throw thanks to you, let you introduce yourself a little bit. Uh, just for the listeners that aren't watching, I got with me Dan and Sam today. So full house, we're going to be talking constantly and hopefully keeping your interest on any number of things. But with that being said, Miss Michelle, please take the floor and, and give us a little bit about yourself. Uh, thank you so much, Corey. What a great introduction. Um, I am really happy to be here. I am Michelle Mintz, the early development expert and can be your personal baby bloomer. My company is called Baby Blooming Moments, and it empowers moms, dads, grandparents, siblings, nannies, daycare providers, anyone who is working with or raising children in the birth to three area age range. That is the critical developmental part of the brain that still needs to develop from birth to three. So I often have the experience of talking with moms and women. Um, And I love when I get the opportunity to talk with dads because dads are as crucial a part of making a connection and attachment with the babies and toddlers in a young so that they can grow up with a different experience and different support system and safety than they would with uh, without some of the strategies that I teach. So um, that's what I'm about is um, proactive parenting, coaching you on strategies, baby hacks, if you will, that help you empower and enrich yourselves to um, enrich these early years. So for example, while you're already diapering, you're already bathing, you're already doing the tasks that you need to get done. While you're doing those tasks, how can you make that moment the most enriching possible? So you could just change the diaper and be done because it's a task and fight through it. And, you know, if they're two and they're having, you know, they don't want it and it's a whole like thing. Or you can make the diaper changing an activity that you are going to engage in. And whether you're going to sing a song or whether you're going to talk to them in a different way and engage, and then you get the diaper change and you've connected in a different way. So that's what I'm all about is teaching different hacks 
that are really easy to implement in your day that you guys are going to love. Right on. That sounds good. We are all the time talking about being present as a parent. And it seems like you take that to the next level. I do. And, you know, my background, what I forgot to tell you, which is important, my background is a speech and language pathologist. So over 25 years, I've been working with children in the birth to five population and their families. And what I discovered was my tools and strategies are good, not just for the children who are delayed or having difficulties, but really for all parents and all moms and dads and grandparents of this age range. And so that's why I broadened into baby blooming moments where I can coach virtually or in person. So I reach a lot of people um, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Cool. So uh, typically we start out these episodes the same way every time. I do a quick intro, we throw it to you, and then I get the pressure off of me and make one of my co-hosts talk. And inevitably it's Dan. But you know what? This time I'm really going to live by our label as as crazy boys. And I'm going to throw it to Sam. And I'm going to let Sam open up the questions for us today and and carve our path through this jungle of, of baby blooming moments. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'll uh, I'll start right out the gate with uh with a question about your like you said you were tw- over twenty five years as a speech pathologist and a, a language therapist, correct? Yes. So what happened, or like what what moment in your life occurred? Or like what happened that made you decide to go into this profession, or um, what what interested you the most that made you decide you wanted to follow a passion in early childhood development with language therapy and the speech pathology? a good question. I think I um, I can remember way back when, when I was um, probably in like fourth, fifth, sixth grade playing teacher. So I knew that there was always a connection between myself and children and mm-hmm. the idea of, of teaching and, and helping. Um, and so I had no idea what I wanted to do when I went to college. And my uh, sorority sisters were in this speech therapy program um, at UC Santa Barbara. That's where I went to college. Um, and okay. I'd never heard of speech therapy. I didn't have any friends that were in it while growing up. I'd never heard of it. And what they actually talked about was was the phonetic language, which is the um, how we write the different sounds. And it was kind of a little bit like coding, if you will, like way back when. And so that was interesting to me. And um, and the idea of phonetic? the phonetic alphabet. OK, so, right. I want to make sure so we heard you right. Yeah, phonetic alphabet, which is spelled P-H-O-E-N-T-I-C. And so it's, um, it's you know, the letter B makes the sound B. So phonetically, it's B. But the letter A, Sam, what sound does the letter A make? Any number. Several sounds. Oh, yeah, any number. Ah, A, A could be, you know. Um, Anybody else? Ah. Eh? say ah and A, ah. Eh. <laughs> Quite a few. Quite a few. Right, right. A lot of different sounds, but what is the letter? Just A. So it doesn't represent all the different sounds. So when I'm listening, is it an A for apple or is it an A for, you know, um, something else? I need to phonetically know the difference between the sounds. So there's a difference between sounds and letters. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's your first lesson. Okay. The letter X. I'm going to give you another one. I'm throwing it back to you guys. X. It's the letter X. What sounds do you hear? Z, like a Z, Z, xylophone. Z, X. You hear Z, X. Well, like when you say xylophone, it starts with an X. 
Okay, so there you go. So the letter X does make a Z sound in that. Okay, but what about the letter X itself? X. You're a, you're K. A e. You're, you're a e. K. A what? Uh, you're E. A. Hey, a little bit e. Right, a little E, a little K, and what else? X. S. S. Mm -hmm. So the letter X is actually the sound E K S. So mm -hmm. phonetically, like, okay. So anyways, went there. <laughs> um, as just because uh, it's important as for dads, as you're listening to your babies develop sounds and language, which is what I'm all about, is, is then we teach the alphabet, but the alphabet doesn't really represent all the sounds that we're doing. And so we go, oh, it's the letter D. It says, you know, so you have to know that in order to help them learn language and, and build. So that's, uh, that's an important um, issue, <laughs> kind of side topic that I went on. But so I just got fascinated listening to my sorority sisters talk about the classes. I took some classes, just really enjoyed it. Um, speech therapy allows me to work. I work with very young children. I also work with um, older adults um, at, who've had strokes and they're home from the hospital um, and they still need um, therapy. So, um, so I work with kids, I can work with adults, I can work in schools, I can work in hospitals, I can work from home, I can work in homes. So it's like a lot of jobs wrapped into one. And so it's really ended up being really cool, because I'm not stuck in I'm doing one, you know, one thing I've got, I've got my hands in lots of different things. And it's and, and now I'm broadening to even help beyond those that have been diagnosed this is kind of helping, you know, beyond that pre-diagnosed. Let's help before that happens and prevent it. Long answer to a short question, Sam. No, no, that's a wonderful, that was a wonderful answer. I know that, that shed some light on a few things and stuff. Because I, you know, honestly, between, um, I work in emergency healthcare and I oh, okay. honestly didn't consider, you know, a, a language therapist or speech pathologist to help out with victims or you know um patients that are suffering post-stroke and they've had some kind of deficits either to you know their their speech their their gait their um you know just general functionality throughout the day and how that affects them um so no that's, that's i'm touching really my throat idea. because what's often affected too is their swallow for i'm gonna have to go into the adults because we're talking about kids but um but kids do have feeding and swallowing problems sometimes and so eating mm -hmm. issues um we can get into a whole picky eater kind of thing when they say, oh, he's such a picky eater. He ate that, you know, two days ago and now he's not eating, you know, that's a whole thing. And that could get dads real frustrated. So um, I didn't have so a question about that at all. Yeah, that? Well, no questions uh, about that, Corey? No, not at all. Okay. Well, that wasn't no issues. Be one of the first things I came to. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's definitely some, some common things. Yeah. Not to hijack that or anything. So, you know, that's really why we have Sam on the the podcast as obvious as it is it never would have occurred to me to be like hey you know what why'd you ever think to become a speech therapist uh, just I don't know. <laughs> that, that's not the way my mind really works when with these things that's so, really funny because i have a 23 year old son and i'll ask him well what you know why did she choose to go into doctoring i don't know and i i kind of thought it was he was and i've been 17 18 i thought it was he's young it, i guess it's boy brain or different, different boy brains, I should say, right? You know, Corey, because that is probably one of the, the first things people ask me, which I'm mostly doing women podcasts and, and videos and things like that. 
So what's your background? That's like, so it's so interesting to me the way that <laughs> boy brains are different. That's why I'm here to help some boy brains today. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we, we do need it from time to time. So <laughs> since we've got a really logical, really thoughtful question out of the way, I'm going to throw it to Dan. Dan, what's your first question? <laughs> Uh, I was, I was wondering if, uh, thanks Dick. No, um, I was, I was wondering, uh, I was wondering if you, uh, specialize with autistic kids or if you, if, if like that's an area that you mainly focus on, or if you just anybody that needs it, which obviously, you know, anybody that needs it can come to you. But I was wondering if you had like a special area of focus that you do. Um, that's a good question. So I want you to think of me as like a tree with like two branches. So I've got my speech therapy hat, which then I have worked with children who have been either diagnosed with autism or because I work with mostly like two, one, two and three year olds. That's pre-diagnosis. And I'm a lot the one that sees the early red flags. In fact, okay. I have an entire PowerPoint presentation called Unlocking the Mystery of Autism Spectrum Disorder. And so I know tons and even teach about it and would love, you know, if, if that's something that is, you know, a segment that you want to go to or something. So that's one area of speech therapy where there are children. And so that I'm often saying, hey, I see this, I see this. I think that you should go for a developmental pediatrician evaluation. And I kind of help resource out and um, after 25 years, I can I can I'm pretty good at detecting even that young kind of. And again, the spectrum is so much that. Yeah. Know, so that's one like hat or branch of mine, which um, which I love and which of what I've been doing for 25 years. I'm spinning off and as the early development expert on baby blooming moments. And so I am helping everybody, all babies, healthy babies that my, I start, sometimes I start working with them and then I see something and then I need to resource out, but I want to be, so, because I felt like all of what I do and all these strategies and things I teach, I don't want to limit it to just that core people that need it for their young children who are having problems. I want to help the parents so that again, almost like preventative, if you will, because if you do my strategies, I increasing eye contact, increasing attention, helping with vocabulary. It makes different brain connections that haven't formed. It, it is possible. And then, and connections between the two of you that we can prevent delays and things like that. Now you can't prevent autism and I'm not going to go on a whole thing about that. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> we can stop there. So, um, so there's certain diagnoses you may not be able to prevent, but you can improve that connection and that vocabulary very, very early. So baby blooming moments is for all parents of, of all healthy children, even right from birth, even from pregnancy. I've taught people, um, you know, what to do to start connecting there. That's cool. Um, yeah, I have a I have a um, nephew that is I don't know much about it, but he is on the verge of being nonverbal and, and verbal, like, you know, he, he has to, I'm not trying to be mean, but he'll point and make noises instead of telling you what he wants. And he's, uh, shoot, I think he's like 11 or 12 by now, but, um, but yeah, like okay. I just, I was wondering, cause I try to make a connection point with our guests and I guess that's, that's mine with you. Um, I have family that, yeah. I mean, he's, he's super smart. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he, he just, the verbal thing is he's what my sister 
if there was a mom of the year award, not to be weird or anything, but she would get it because I mean, she's single mom with two kids and she going to school, working, and she's making sure he has everything he needs and, and has the help that he needs. So that's amazing. I was a single mom of a typically developing child and that's hard enough. Yeah. And I bless you for recognizing that um, in her. And I hope that she can hear this um, and and your recognition (laughs) of that um, and that you share that with your thoughts with her about that because it's all about communication, right? So, so what that your nephew can't uh, is having trouble communicating, connecting Right. Yeah. So, um, so some of the things that I, we might end up going through, or if you take my baby blooming moments course for your little ones, you actually would probably learn things that would, you would connect with your nephew as well. Right. Oh, I've told her to, I've told her through text message. I've told her to her face that she's amazing. So good. That's so nice to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So you started with the speech, you obviously started with the speech therapy. So that's, so you got to see more of that kind of thing before you went into what you're doing now, the other branch, as you called it. I do, you know, but uh, it's funny, there are two branches, but they are like definitely, you know, related. So um, for 25 years, I, I'm a different kind of speech therapist where I um, work from my home and I always have the parent in the room with me. Most speech therapists, and, and and I'm talking about like where I am in Los Angeles, California, so I can't say like all over the world, but generally speech therapists take the child into the room with them and work with them, come out and give a little five minute synopsis to the parent. Oh, we worked on improving some eye contact. So I want you to hold it here and um, and wait a little longer before, you know, and a little something and then expect that parent to follow through at home and make the progress. I have the parent in with me all the time. So they are seeing what I'm doing. I'm constantly educating them about what and why, and then throwing it to them so they can do it so I can coach them in the moment. So I've always had baby blooming moments with me (laughs) for 25 years because that's how I run it. I felt like me seeing a child twice a week, the progress we're going to make as opposed to if I teach the parent and the parent can do it all the time until I see that child again, we're going to move, move, move. And that's what we do. And so for 25 years, I've actually tried in different ways to get baby blooming moments used to be called babies, brighter connections 10 years ago, you know? So, and I went to preschools and daycares and trying to, cause preschool teachers should know this daycare providers, where your child is, if that, those adults, know how to engage and enrich more, your child is going to be better off. So I'm going to all the places that they can be. It's just been a a tricky long road for 25 years, uh, 26 years of getting it going. And baby blooming moments was was born April 2020 because of COVID somewhat. And this idea of Zooming and virtual and me being able to reach more people than I could just in my little office or my little niche of the world of going to preschools is what has made baby blooming moments bloom. And so it was the timing of the unfortunate pandemic lockdown, which pandemic babies are a whole nother area. I can go over. Um, babies that were born during the lockdown, they are now going to preschool and daycare and they can't function at all. And the daycare providers and preschool teachers are giving parents nightmare reports. Your child was a nightmare. I don't even know what to do. And the parents are at a loss because all the child knew was their home. 
whether it was good home or, or a violent home. And so now they're expected to go out in the world. I had a four-year-old who'd never been to the grocery store. Where do you buy eggs? He had no idea. An egg store? Yeah, he had no idea. So our world is different today too with that. So especially with that, we need to bridge the gap. There are studies that they're behind in their developmental milestones. That group of kids that were born, no, you know, with no doubt. So I am here to bridge that gap by empowering parents, dads. It's not just about throwing the kid up and down in the air. <laughs> and I know you all, you know, are better, you know, but sometimes parents, you know, and that's what I see the rough house, which dads need to do. And children need that play too. And moms don't always do that. Don't, don't generally play in the same roughhousey way, throwing a ball or whatever that is, and that kind of mate. And so that's important. It's not to take that away. I just want to add. That's what I'm about is I'm about adding, adding to and enriching. I've got a quick question about that. It's- as far as like trying to reach out to in mass, and you said that the challenges that you've been facing over the 25 plus years that you've been trying to do the baby blooming moments um, and preloading parents with that information and the techniques, you know, while present in there with your presentation with your patient, child, um, customer, client, um, <laughs> however you want to refer to the, the, the little ones there in your in your business. Um, writing a book. I mean, have you have you thought about doing any kind of like literature or anything like that or running some ideas through a publisher uh, I mean uh, that would make a wonderful manual and you know and, and still reaching out to dads and moms too or just family units as a whole whether it's traditional or non-traditional that's a good question I um I actually and on my website I have done a number of articles um so I do have publications the book it could be a goal I do have a children's book out it's on Amazon it's called all done binky it's Maybe really important <laughs> All done, all done binky. So you have to look up all done binky book in Amazon um, because it's very important to wean off of a pacifier early. If your two-year-old or your three-year-old is on a pacifier, get my book. Okay. <laughs> um, she didn't take to one. That's good. You don't have to. Um, now the bottle is going to be similar, especially if they walk around having a bottle in their mouth. That. Um, I self-published and did that. So I'll just give that a little, um, a little plug. So I do have that book. Yeah. It's probably, a, it's, it's like a long-term goal, Sam. Yeah. It's, it's, it's up there on the, on the, on the long-term goal list probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, you know, I, that would be um, a book topic or just even a series. You could break it down into like short, you know, just short, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for installments. Well, I, you know? I like your idea of a manual. Cause I always say, you know, we don't get a parent manual when we, you know, instruction booklet, when we leave the hospital and, you know, and there's, there's, this is what they need that what I'm, you know, this is part of what they need actually. So you're, yeah, you're right, Sam. Corey, you've been wanting to ask me something and I, I want to know what you want to ask. You know, like I said, these things kind of just meander along and uh, oh, yeah. we'll make it I'm, meander- I'm meandering it to you, Corey. The, question or topic that Dan touched on with his nephew is something that I had a question about as well. And I guess I'll, since he's already broached that topic, go ahead and get to that. I wrote down exactly what I wanted to say, just because I wanted to be as politically correct as possible. I know these people, but they don't listen to the podcast, so it doesn't really matter. (laughs) He is related and, you know, connected to a really good parent, someone that is really trying to do everything they can for their artistic child. As far as uh, you know, speech therapy, whatever the case may be, I am associated with two parents that would be considered 
lackluster parents if their child were just normally developed. And he is around, uh, gosh, I don't know, nine, 10, eight, something like along those lines. And they basically do uh, nothing at all to help him with his speech. He's still nonverbal. He wouldn't eat solid foods for years and years and years. And they did nothing to try to help him get over that hurdle. Their plan, as always, was just to help him kind of figure things out on his own. And he has now somehow developed into eating particular uh, solid foods. He's not the type to eat, you know, a meal of anything or or that nature or something of that nature. But he will eat uh, this and that picky eater for sure. But my question revolved around the fact that these people don't necessarily think that they're doing anything wrong. And, you know, I'm a third party, so I'm not ever really going to go to their faces and say, you're terrible parents. This is all, this is all wrong. So you have by and large been involved with like Dan, the parents that care, the parents that want to help. And you at least presumably probably don't see a lot of the parents unless they're forced into it that are just kind of complacent in their parenting of autistic children. So what would your, I don't, I hesitate to call it advice, but what would you say to uh, just to me specifically, I guess, to kind of like keep from generalizing too much, uh, you know, what would you say that I should, uh, how should I adjust my thinking about them? Or is there any way I can broach this topic with them in terms of trying to get them to do more for their son? Uh, or is this something that I should just look at as a sad, sad situation and try to let them figure it out on their own? Wow. All right. So kind of sorry I threw it to you, Corey. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a, um, that's a tough one. There are so many things that are going through my head right now. One, one sadly being, um, the word neglect is coming up. Um, and I'm trying to be really careful. I don't know who these people are, what they're, they're going to hear this or not, but, um, that strongly disturbs me, um, to the core. I actually um, have been a speech therapist at a hospital here in Santa Monica, but it's affiliated with the preschool and the classrooms are called therapeutic preschool classrooms. So each two, three and four year old already has a mental health diagnosis disorder, maybe PTSD, ADHD, oppositional defiant disorder, not so much autism. If we see autism, it goes somewhere else, but The reason they have that, and I'm connecting it to what you're talking about, is that a lot of these children were neglected, abused, exposed to drug abuse um, when they were pregnant, domestic violence. So harder core than what it is that you're talking about, but ultimately not caring and taking care of the child's needs of what they needed. Um, and so they were coming to us, they were in foster care, adoptive parents, and, you know, and they, those were the ones that were bringing to our program, which then helped them with all of their mental health. We, we delved into their family life because um, it's not just about helping the child. It is about the parents um, and, the, and the family. So um, I just wanted you to know that I do have a, um, I have seen that, uh, that other side of where the caring and, 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 and the, tra- and one story was worse than the next. Of, of what, you know, the tragedies um, and what these children and the trauma that this two and three-year-olds maybe have already gone through. In a sense, I mean, you know, without knowing the whole story, it's almost like this child you're talking to me has gone through his own trauma 
if there hasn't been any kind of assistance all along and, you know, not to eat. And, you know, I'm so with my background of where I am, like, I'm super disturbed right now, <laughs> how to help you with that. Um, or even, is it something I should like even involve myself in? I mean, to, to me, if it was here and it was happening, if it was something we were saying, it's almost, re- it, it's reportable. And I don't know. That was that my we question. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, this is like, Debbie Downer for your, you know, but, but like that, yeah. I mean, if I were now you're not, I'm a mandated reporter because I'm a speech therapist. So, um, you know, you're not a mandated reporter. So you're a mandated reporter, Sam. Now I don't think because now we've been told this, Sam, we're mandated to report because we're not involved with it at all. Right. (laughs) Going in a whole different direction. You may or may not want on your podcast, but (laughs) yeah that's i mean it could help a lot of people too you know i don't know so well i mean even just generalizing the situation like how you approach a difficult parent like a difficult parent that is close to you or maybe in your circle that you're aware of that right they're that their their standard of care standard of care excuse me yeah (laughs) right that their that their parenting approach has got some pitfalls in it and that it's not you know it's not uh it's not up to snuff it's not up to par it's not the standard you know there's a you're not going to feed your kid like soylent green for like the next for the like the next four years of their life, or the only thing they eat, you know, is flaming hot Cheetos and you know Mountain Dew. Right, and wonder right. why your kid's this, diabetic and has some kind of brain disorder by the time they're later. 11. Right. They're, yeah. 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 So, and not every parent is. All parents are not created equal, just like all children are not created equal. When it's it's a fine line, especially if you care about them or if they're just an acquaintance. I mean, how much of your nose you trying to put into their business, you know, and what's the backlash going to be if you say anything, you know, but if it's reportable, you you should bring it up to somebody, I think maybe in the, in, in, in the field or somebody who is in the know that can kind of guide you towards a more definitive answer than that. Instead of just calling like DHS on anybody, just because, you know, you see somebody with a kid in a stroller that's got a sucker stuck in their hair, you know, but if it's something more serious than that and it deserves attention, definitely ask somebody, you know, how you approach it. That's situationally dependent. You know, you could be you can be careful if you know them really well, you could word it right and maybe sneak by with that little jab to their parenting strategy. If you're not, maybe you could say, hey, I just you could just you could say, hey, I I, mean, I just learned about this really new, you know, this person. She's in in this company, baby blue moments, because because I'm about coaching the parent, you know, to help. So so even though and it's a as just, you know, she may not call me and it may may not be, but it's hey, I. I thought maybe this might be helpful is, you know, as you, if you learn about different things or, Oh, I have this on my podcast and you know, this, maybe, maybe this might be something that would be good for you. I thought I'd just throw it out there. So you could do something light like that, but, or if, or you could, you know, knowing that you're, or goes to somebody in the field, know that ultimately you really are doing what's best for the child, even though, and you maybe anonymously, could be able to report it to somebody, but know that like child services is going to come out and, and and do that. But that's probably what sounds like best for the child. It really does, Corey. All right. So that did go a little bit deeper than I expected. It was something that I'm glad I kept general. They, like I said, they don't listen to the podcast. They never will. They're the type of people that say, you know, they say they would, but they won't. So I'm not concerned about hurting anybody's feelings or anything like that. It is something that I feel like was a broad enough topic that maybe somebody that listened or will listen or or what have you will maybe touch on that and, and you'll find something to touch on that in their own lives. 
Absolutely. It's all about helping people. And so to know that a child who is not attending or their, their, their basic needs, right. You're just talking about their hunger, their, you know, feeding and um, probably, you know, I'm not sure that they're at school or anything like that. And um, so knowing that, that, that is a type of neglect, you know, um, which, which in essence is a type of abuse. Again, not to, you know, we're going to, we're going to go somewhere else, but yes, to help people to know, like, is that really something to be concerned about? The answer is yes. So that we made that clear. (laughs) Good for everybody to to know that for certain. Yeah. But having said all that, I guess that I will keep from bogarting any more time and throw it back to Dan for something probably almost certainly a little bit more lighthearted. Yeah. So with that being said, do you have anything that's not going to make us cry or want to go report someone to DCS, Dan? Or BCS or ABC, whatever it is. Uh, uh, not really at the moment. I'm just enjoying the uh, the knowledge. That's nice Dan is know. more of a uh, sponge sometimes. He is less likely to intrude on the conversation unless it's getting down to the end and we have forgotten something. So mm-hmm. I guess with him uh, passing the ball off, the only person to pick it up is Sam. So can you run us to another touchdown there, Sam, with a more logical, probably thought out question that I'm going to come with? <laughs> All right. So your son, you're correct. You do have one child and you are a divorcee. Okay. Yes. All right. Awesome. What, what is your favorite way to connect with your son compared to when he was school age to what he is now? Because, you know, as you leave the nest, sometimes relationships mature and change and they leave the nest and you don't see them for a little while. How do you find ways to still connect with him on, on a level that uh, that you guys can both still enjoy? Oh, you're right. Sam does ask logical questions. That was good. <laughs> um, yes, it was definitely much easier to connect with him when he was here. And then once he left for college and he is actually in Pennsylvania uh, right now, he's uh, in sports management. He does data analysis for football. Uh, awesome. he, wants to be, he wants to be a scout. So putting that out there to all the dads out there, he'd like to be a scout for a football team. Um, <laughs> Brian is making the descriptions. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brian, yes. So um, it is. It gets harder to connect, especially I, I think with a boy. Um, girls are a little bit more chatty on the phone or, you know, if you have that connection with a mom and a daughter, then, you know, they go, oh, well, let me tell you what happened last night. So um, I fortunately developed an incredible connection with him young, young, when he was young, so that I um, was a little bit nosy. So, and he tolerated me asking questions. So who was there and who this and this. And so I really knew his friends when he would talk about people and stuff like that and where they went and stuff. And so I, I felt a part of it. So when he went to college, that was hard for me then when he talked about people and I didn't have pick faces. And so, um, take pictures. And so he take pictures. So they say, okay, from left to right, we go and name everybody. So that's how I would stay connected because I want to know who he's talking about. What do these roommates look like and and how are they having fun together and show me videos together. So that's how I make sure. Um, and now he's um, past college and got other roommates and other things and in Pennsylvania in a place that I've never been. So showing me videos, I even wanted to see video. <laughs> I wanted to see yeah. what his room his room looked like, okay, because he worked really hard with my mom. It was really cute ordering. Uh, it was his first room, so she was setting him up with a with a nice bed and a desk and all the things that he needed. So they were on Amazon together, looking. So it connected my mother, his his grandmother, with 
him because mm-hmm. she was like, well, what about this table? And what about this? And he's like, no, it's too dark. So they had a whole thing going on before he left for college, connecting, finding yeah. things. You know, so that was cool. So when he got there, we wanted to see how it all looked. So, um, so I'm not sure every parent wants to know how their son's room is set up once they go either after college and what son would t- tolerate and understand doing it. So he's like, here's the bathroom and look at how cool the closet, you know? So I think because we built that connection early that we are able to find and keep continuing ways to, um, to do that out of the nest, which is really important. It's challenging though. I don't feel as connected nearly. The distance and the time don't kind of put a strain on things as the topics of, uh, or, or the uh, the interest, you know, sometimes change because as they're two years old, they may like a particular cartoon character as opposed to when they're 16 and they don't watch cartoons at all. 30, they're doing something completely different. You know, maybe by the time they're 50 or 60, maybe when we're all dead and gone, did they remember what they used to, the fond memories they had as a child and during those you know, formative years that they had with their cozy home, and their cozy memories from the parents, if you had that kind of, um, if you had that kind of environment right. with right. the grandparents and other memories from family. So well, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for answering that. Yeah. You're welcome, Sam. I'd just like to uh, add on to that. My mom and I do that. Uh, when I got my first place, cause we, um, when my parents split, my mom got custody and my dad moved to where I'm at now. Uh, when I moved here to be closer to to be closer to my dad. My mom was like, Oh, you need to show me your house, show me the yard, show me your living room, all this. And I walked through with my phone and took a video and, you know, talked to her like you just, this is the, this is the living room. This is the bathroom. This is the closet. And, you know, she was all like, Oh, that's so cool. But, you know, we, uh, we grew up, uh, you know, my mom's, your parents can't, they shouldn't be only your best friend when you get older. They still, you still need to know that they're your parents in my opinion, but, we have transitioned to, I still respect her and, and know she's my mom, but I can tell her anything. Same thing with my dad. Uh, we're best friends, but I also know that when he's my dad, he's my dad. He's not my buddy. And um, even though I'm 33 years old, I still have that respect for him. And yeah, I, so I, when you were saying I was inside laughing and giggling, cause that's what my mom did. So thank you. <laughs> that That's really nice. I'm so glad that you shared that. And you know what, Dan, I don't have doubt because you are you are doing what you're doing here and the way that you've talked about your child and and the way that you've shared things i don't doubt that that is the you know family life that that you grew up in and we're um we're fortunate to have that and i i've seen you know the other side and that's where you know i want to help all families learn how to be able to um to have that because it affects their entire life it's not just that moment in time look at look at what you know you did so um thanks for sharing dan I guess to jump back in here, I have one question that is not from my wife, but geared toward her uh, specifically. And I guess any other mom that might be listening, I think that we only have maybe three based <laughs> off the analytics. One of them is a four now. I'm I'm another one four. Okay, so four oh. now. Uh, so uh, we know who three of them are. The other is someone that I don't know. But I was wondering, what would you consider to be the biggest challenge of a mother in today's environment. Uh, I know that you raised your son uh, at what we'll call a, a different era, just based off of yeah. the lack of social media and things like that, yeah, yeah. that have changed yeah. the world. Yeah. Uh, so what would you consider the current with the current environment to be the, the biggest hurdle, the biggest challenge for a mom? Exactly what you said. It's the screens. It's the screens for baby and parents. 
I have a whole uh, talk about FaceTime. What is FaceTime? FaceTime is taking your baby and you're face to face. While you're pushing in the stroller and you see the dog across the street, you stop, you get down in front of the stroller, you get face to face and have FaceTime with your toddler to tell them about the dog. That's FaceTime. FaceTime, everybody else knows, is, excuse me, fucking everybody up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it is. And then once you, it, it, I mean, I, you know, what else can I say? Sc- again, screens for the parents, get, get off. Get off that screen when you're walking with your child and be in the moment and enrich them in that experience. Um, or at the, you know, at the park, whatever that is. And then... It is not recommended that screens are used for children under three at all. And if so, maybe half an hour. And if you're going to use screens, let me teach you or coach you on how to use them in the best, most enriching way. Because they can be used, but not to sit them by themselves. You, If you're interacting with them, oh, look at the bubbles going up. Oh, there goes the turtle and you pause it and you talk to them and you engage with them. Screens can be fabulous, but that's not how screens are being used. No, it's, 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 it's a teaching aid, but people use it as a replacement for, for the care you provide that one-on-one, you know, it's like, oh, I got something I need to do. Uh, let me just put it in front of the screen or this is going to come up. When you go to a restaurant and you see mom and dad each on their phone and the kids each have a tablet and that's how family dinner is at a restaurant. It like yeah. makes me sick to my stomach. It, yep. it makes me want to drop my my card off to them. It's <laughs> what it what I mean. It's just like I can't even. So that's it, Corey. <laughs> I could go on and on, but I mean, it's just it's it, teenagers. You know, there's no eye contact. They don't know how to have an interview with somebody. I, you know, I'm already messed up with eye contact with the computer because I want to look at you guys but I really need to look at the camera right because that's where I'm getting <laughs> eye contact for the for the audience but I need to watch you because I can watch your facial like I just saw you laugh Dan so you know I know that was good so we get too much so that's FaceTime that's screen time that's my little high horse for a second to piggyback off that, uh, one of my problems, it is a little bit of the screen time for me personally. Um, but my biggest problem is, and I think Corey, you can relate to this. I walk around with the one earbud in all the time, constantly listening to something because I, I have not been diagnosed with any issues upstairs that I know of, but I can't be in my own head. Sometimes I can't stand the silence. I have to have, even if it's just noise, I can't, I'm still interacting with my kid and I'm still engaged. That's just kind of in the background, which I know that's probably taking some of my focus away from. And it's something I need to work on and I'm trying to get better at it, but that's just, I work with one all the time, just one. Cause I can't stand, I have to have something going all the time. And, and, um, uh, it's, yeah, it's a problem I need to work through, but I'm slowly trying to take the earbud out, put the phone down and actually, you know, go play teacher or watch her watch, you know, like you said, teacher with the TV or the tablet or like, Hey, look there, what does the dog say? What does the cow say? What does the chicken say? Or, you know, what is that on TV and pause it like, Oh, that's a frog or that's a cow or whatever. And I'm trying right. to get better about doing that. So that's, you know, that's one of the screen. Yeah. That's a problem for me, but it's more so having one earbud in constantly, just constantly, having something, either music, podcast, whatever, playing in my head all the time. 
Well, to me, you have to take care of yourself as a parent in order to take care of your children. So you just told me that you can't function without silence and you, you, you need it. To me, to listen to a podcast would be different than listening to music. Music is kind of, you can fade that in the background. But I mean, a podcast, are you more paying attention and focusing to or an audio book you're listening? So I, I don't want you to be so hard on yourself. Like I need to change this. This is this is this. If we don't take care of ourselves as parents, we're no good to our, our children. So if that is how you work, and but you're aware of it and you're working on it, I mean, that's the first step, right? So um, you shared a lot of personal things today, Dan. Thank you. Yeah, that's what this is about. We, I want to, um, I want to grow and, and be the best uh, possible dad that I can, and um, I want to share what I learn with the other dads out there that might be either going through the same thing or on the verge of going through the same thing or that have been through it and say, Hey, no, you're doing it right. Or, Hey, no, tweak this or, or whatever. Or you know, help. Or you know what happens is they're not. And then they hear yeah. it. And then in three months they're going through it and they go, Oh, that's what he was talking about. Yep. And now I know how to handle it in, you know, so that happens too. So it's all yeah. great. It's all great. I offer free 30 minute consultations. So I can concentrate on just your family and your situation and, and how I might be able to help you. So I wanted to throw that out there um, to all your listeners, you know, but for everybody, but, you know, for, um, for Corey and Dan, cause you've got the little ones. Um, and of course I would offer you, um, you know, a, a, a complimentary session as well. Um, but for your listeners, you know, a free 30 minute consultation, just, um, where I really get to know, is it a picky eater issue? Is it, I can't get them to sleep. Is it, I just want to connect with them more. I just want to know what else I can do besides puzzles and books and, or what can I do while I'm using puzzles? That's really what I'm about. How you're talking, how you're playing, how are you reading those books? I have a book strategy so that you're going to engage more with your baby and toddler than just reading with them when they sit on your lap which is what everybody does, or they sit here. So I have something else to tell you that engages you. Got a contact. Right on. It's cool to sprinkle some of these seeds into the podcast. You, you know, you share a little wisdom and then you drop a little teaser. So yep. the listeners, you know, get something out of it, but also if they want more then you know, they know how to find you. You've kind of interweaved what you do and, and how you do it in amongst the questions that we've asked up till now. So there's not really a, any kind of halfway mark where we, where we would diverge and, and talk, you know, more specifically about the things that you do. But with that being said, what would you want to share about your uh, employment, your goals, baby blooming moments that we have yet to cover? What, what do you want to get out there to our listeners that you deem most important that we haven't touched on yet? Hey, I'm going to look directly at the camera while I'm talking to you about it. <laughs> Because one of the first, I want to teach you a strategy. I want to teach you, uh, I've I've taught a couple through here, but one of my favorite strategies is about eye contact. Because eye contact is extreme, more important than people realize when you're having a conversation. So if you try having a conversation with somebody and just look at their ear instead of their eyes or just past their ear, it's going to feel really, really strange after a while. So they're not listening, they're not with you. So increasing eye contact from the very beginning, from birth, is an important social skill. So the way that you can do that, you can do it right when baby's born, with a baby, a toddler, or even a teenager. 
whatever item it is that they want. Okay, so if it's a bottle or a ball or a teenager wants their phone, okay, I have sunglasses. So you're gonna, their eyes are gonna be on that item, wherever that item is. So you say, oh, and you normally just hand it to them. What I want you to do is I want you to bring that item to your eyes. Automatically, you get more eye contact. They're looking at the item, they're looking at your eyes and you say, oh, you want the glasses? Oh, and you get a big smile on their face. Maybe they say glasses. You've increased their attention. You've made them wait for this item a little bit longer. So you've done a lot of different things by just bringing it up to your eyes that you've made a neural connection, an actual connection in their brain that wasn't there before by doing this little bit, which you can implement all throughout your day because kids want things all the time. Whatever they want, you're going to bring it here. I want to hear Dan and Corey after you try it with your kids, what's going to happen. And you're going to pause and talk about it, have them engage with you, and then you can give it to them or you give the bottle or whatever it is. Fabulous strategy. You can use it at all ages. People love it when they, when that teenager, because you're like, look at me when I'm talking to you. Take their phone right here. <laughs> you got their attention. Baby blooming moments is about enriching these everyday moments, as you see. So you're diapering, you're strolling, you're driving in the car, you're at the grocery store. I provide you with different little packs like this that are easy to just implement, but they make a huge impact. That makes a huge difference by doing that eye contact for that engagement than just handing it to them. And so we want to enrich these early moments, these early birth to three years. People say, so I met a dad and he's like, yeah, it's, you know, I've got a baby. It's seven weeks old. It's just a lump. It's, it's a lump ready to do so much with it. You could, you do this seven week old that's not doing anything. And we put it here to take all the pretty pictures on the, you know, when they're curled up and all that stuff. There's a lot that can actually be done with that seven week old. That's going to make a difference in so honestly, the rest of their lives, the connection, Dan, that connection you you made and that my son and my my mother had, because I did get separated when he was 14 months old. And I basically co-parented with my parents. I lived with them, moved in with them for a few years. So they were my co-parents. And so that bond then became between my son and, um, you know, he still saw his father, but that was every other weekend and whatever. Thank goodness. Um, no, Been there. Uh, he was a bad dad. That's all you all are good. Dad. So baby blooming moments, enriching and empowering you fathers to make connections, brain connections, as well as emotional connections with your babies <laughs> and toddlers that makes a huge impact in their life. And that's what I'm all about. Baby blooming moments.com. Michelle at baby blooming moments. 424-226-2206 at Baby Blooming Moments, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, <laughs> YouTube. I got them all. Right on. I have little videos that show like some little demonstrations of things and um, on my website, some free little strategies and tips that are on there that are on YouTube that you can um, you can gather. But I want to help. I just want I want to help this world become a better, kinder place. And it starts with these young ones that we're going to be growing and raising and blooming. I want to help bloom them in the right direction. I want to help you. Those are some amazing ideas. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. And uh, be sure to check out Michelle's website, 
and uh, get those little uh, get those little nuggets of wisdom there. That you can maybe try to incorporate into you know your parenthood strategies. And, you know, so yeah, thank you very much for sharing that with us. Thank you, Sam. Yeah, thanks again uh, for sure. I have written down book title and your your handle on the social media, so that'll all be in the notes of the podcast when when it does drop. So they'll be able to easily link to all of those different things. And, you know, just like Sam, I want to mirror his things. You've uh, really made this a lot more uh, relaxed, a lot more flowing. You being our first female guest, just period, I had a little bit of apprehension coming in and you really did your part to uh, sweep that out the door. So I do appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, I want to take the time to thank Dan and Sam uh, for joining me. They always make this uh, a much, much easier endeavor. They, yeah, I'm so uh, glad we did it this way because Corey, we were going to schedule it just with you and me. And I'm like, no, I want the full experience, which I thought was just <laughs> going to be Corey and Dan. And now I got you. So um, this was so awesome. Thank you all so much. I, I also want to thank you for coming on and telling us what you do and, and shedding some light on it. Um, it helped me a little bit uh, when I, I always I'm I don't know if Sam does, but I always go back and listen to everything just to see what I can improve on as a as a co-host. And maybe if if I hear anything about the show in general, I, I bring it to the guys and we talk about it and whatever. But um, yeah, I will definitely, when I listen back, I'll probably learn more than I did today, but I do want to thank you for coming on. It, yeah. It was a great conversation. And thank you. I'd love to be on again another time. You definitely talked about quite a few things that we had pro- more than likely had questions about, but yeah. just did not touch on. Yeah, no, I, I, as a speech therapist, I could, I could, I could talk forever, but I, I'm very passionate about what I do, as you might uh, see, and, um, and I really want to help. So, um, and this was so great. Thank you so much. Hey, no problem at all. And it's always good to hear when the guest is, uh, you know, happy to come back. That's a, a huge win for us. It means we did our jobs, if nothing else. So, yeah. I guess with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and throw <laughs> it to Dan for what is more than likely everybody's most popular segment because they typically get the best views on all the social medias. So with that out there and and no pressure on you, go ahead, Dan, and tell us a wonderfully inventive side-splitting dad joke. All right. What is the foot's favorite chip? What is the foot's favorite chip? Corn chips? No, that's a good one. I don't know. know. (laughs) know. You got to guess, Michelle? Uh, I was trying to think of something with toe, but no, I like corn chips. That was really logical, Sam. You're logical. Right? <laughs> nope. Well, you, you. you you about had it. Doritos. Oh, Doritos. oh, 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 I was on oh. the right track. I like that. My mind did not go that way. I was thinking <laughs> something about toenails. Oh, you got toes, though. Oh, you know. All right. One of these days, I'm going to get them. I'm going to get the answer, <laughs> and and I'm going to come away feeling like I'm dad of the year. I feel so, like I could uh, recycle dad jokes at this point, and you still wouldn't get one. <laughs> and my memory's not as great as it was when I was a child. I'll admit to that. But <laughs> well, you've heard of mommy brain, right? Have you guys heard of mommy brain? So you got daddy yeah. brain. Yeah, there is such a thing. You we when we do so many so many things it's at one time and you know multitask and already thinking about what the afternoon needs to be and what we need you know so you're allowed to have daddy brain i appreciate that i'll take any excuse that i can get <laughs> and anytime someone's going to give me the benefit of the doubt i'm going to scoop that up right <laughs> scoop that up like gold so 
So what had happened was, Miss Wife, is that um, this 25-year-plus speech pathologist gave me a pass and said that I have daddy brain, so that's why I didn't put the dishes. <laughs> I got daddy brain. A, a, a professional told me that. <laughs> it's almost something yeah, I can well, use on that, Facebook. Like, a professional yeah. diagnosis from the speech yeah. therapist. Yeah. That, like when, yeah. next time I see your, uh, my, like, my therapist, they're going to be like, so do you have any new diagnosis for me or the doctors? I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> Let's get into it. There you go. Right. That's funny. So I guess with everybody's favorite part and all the serious learning parts and all the introductions and all that out of the way, we're going to go ahead and say goodbye. Once again, just uh, Michelle, thank you so much. You, like I said, made it super easy, super fun. And we learned just as much or more as we do with every other guest. So you were a wonderful first mom on the show and we do thank you and we'll be happy to have you back anytime. Great. Thank you. Uh, With that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, Sam. Uh, he's just saying goodbye. He's, he's he's waving goodbye to all you all you viewers that are never going to see uh, the whole video. But I guess I'm going to, like I said, shoulder this heavy responsibility and just say goodbye for everybody. So you know, from your two dads, this is this is me. And uh, thanks again for coming in, man. This is a heavy load. Oh man. Okay, I'm going to handle it though. You guys have a good time and and come back again. Listen to us next time. Thanks again. We'll check you later. But he is, uh, fuck, I forgot what I was going to say. My mind just went blank. It was probably a lie anyways.